You know, we are in a, a life here. It's a spiritual life that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it's a life of faith. It's about us knowing who God is. It's about us knowing what God said. It's about us believing who God is and believing that God will do what he said for us. And so in the Bible, uh, as believers in Christ, we're called soldiers. Praise the Lord. So we're in an army, actually. Uh, we're, we're called to come together to uh, advance the kingdom of God. And so there are some attitudes that we have to know. There's some attitudes that we have to have, really, if we're going to be an effective soldier. And you have to recognize that a soldier, a uh, part of his responsibility, of course, is to uh, promote or to further uh, what's coming from the top. So as, as believers, we're furthering the kingdom. We're about furthering the kingdom work in the earth. But every soldier also, uh, what happens with them is in their responsibility, they're taking care of their own life, their own protection, right? And so uh, as a soldier, if we're going to effectively not just even further the kingdom, but see the kingdom at work in our life so that we can live according to what God has for us, we're going to have to have the, the attitude of a soldier. Hallelujah. So as a soldier, there's the attitude of the fight. Yeah, I got any soldiers in the house? Any, anybody that's been in the military? Yeah, and you know that there's an attitude about the fight. I mean, when you think about the fight, when you think about the enemy, when you think about, you know, the, the wrong that they've done, the evil, the how, how, whatever it is that's causing us to have to rise up against them, you get pretty mad about it. I mean, they can get a fire in their eye. They, they, they're pretty determined because they know the importance of winning that fight. But then the soldier also understand the attitude of the victory. Hallelujah. That the minute that the victory is won, that any time a battle is won, that they're glad that they can rejoice in that victory. So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the particular attitude of being mad at the devil, being mad at what he's done and what he's stolen. Hey! And we're going to talk about being glad in Christ, in the victory that he has already obtained for us. Hallelujah. And we're going to talk about the fact that when we get mad at the devil, we can't just get mad and remain. We have to get mad and then do something. Come on, the soldier doesn't just sit in the camp, get mad at the enemy and think this shouldn't be happening. The soldier has to get up, stand up, move forward, take their armor, take their weapons and go into battle. And so we have to get mad at the devil. And then we have to take our God-given authority that we have over the devil and use that authority. And once we've done that, then we know then that victory is at hand. We can rejoice. We can be glad in what God has done for us and, and use rejoicing as part of our tool or part of our walk in this great kingdom. Hallelujah. So everybody turn with me this morning to uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, a scripture we all know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We got to get something this morning. Come on, we're sitting here right now. We're thinking I'm getting something. Come on. On the inside, something is coming. Something of God, something of the Spirit. Come on, my attitude about kingdom life and living right now is being stirred up. Glory to God. So in John 10, 10, 
It says that the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. Of course, and then we know the good news is that it says that Jesus has come, uh, that we may have life and we may have it more abundantly. So we know that there is, a, there is a thief, there is a one that is opposite to God that has come and he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come for a purpose. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Jesus came that we might have life. But in order for Jesus to bring us that life, there was a fight. And there was an attitude that Jesus had. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. So for this reason, Jesus showed up. Look at that. That he might destroy the works of the devil. See, the thief came, the devil came to destroy But Jesus said, no, I came, I've been revealed, I've shown up on the scene that I might destroy the works of the devil. Now, I want you to pay attention to that word, destroy, the strength of that word. Destroy means to put an end to the existence of something by damaging it or attacking it. It means to utterly defeat it. So Jesus said, for this reason he came, for this reason he showed up, that he might utterly defeat the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This was part of Jesus' fight in the earth. It was a kingdom fight. He came bringing the kingdom, and he understood that to get the kingdom effectively into the earth, he was going to have to utterly destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Utterly defeat the devil. Well, what are the works of the devil? Well, we could say anything and everything that's contrary to God, anything that's contrary to the kingdom, uh, to the ways of God. Uh, we could say then that if it, anything that's contrary to God would be anything that's of the devil, devil, evil. So anything that's evil, Uh, would be included in these works of the devil. What is evil? Of course, sin is evil. All sin is evil, not just big sins, not just gross sins, not just in the sins that you're not dealing with and don't like about other people or other things. All sin is evil. All sin is rooted uh, from the evil one. Uh, We could say that uh, evil is also darkness. Evil correlates to anything that's twisted or wicked. Uh, Evil correlates to uh, cruelty, bondage, torment. All of these things are considered evil that Jesus came to destroy. And then we have to, according to Scripture, now listen, according to Scripture, we have to include in there that evil works include sickness and disease. Now I know that sickness and disease isn't something sometimes that people are choosing so, so sometimes we, it's almost like we put it in a separate category because people don't choose sickness and disease, and that's true. But I need you to understand that sickness and disease does come from the devil. It is, it is an evil work, and so we have to be able to put it into the same category when it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. It means he came to destroy sin, darkness, bondage, cruelty, torment, addictions, all those things, but he also came in the same way to destroy sickness and disease. 
And this is what's going to be able to help us in that category, get mad at it, rather than just getting sad. Sad is not part of the kingdom. We don't get sick and get sad. No, we got to get sick. We, if sickness knocks at our door, we got to get mad and realize that Jesus came to destroy it. And we got to have the same attitude that Jesus had. And so today, I'm not just talking about sickness and disease. I'm talking about all evil works. You have to have the same attitude against sin. You have to really get mad at it. Jesus didn't come to pacify things. He didn't come to just sit back and say, well, I don't really like that and it shouldn't be that way. He came to destroy things. But let me tie sickness in for you so that you can see that it's a work of the devil. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. Now, good is the opposite of bad. Good is the opposite of evil. So Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the who were oppressed by the. So when Jesus saw sickness, he saw the work of the devil and he decided, I've been given power and authority over that. And so I'm going to do something, which that's why he went about doing good and healing all. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so we see it throughout the scriptures, even when Jesus was dealing with uh, sin, when he was dealing with uh, devils, when he was dealing with evil spirits, when he was dealing with sickness, it said he would cast out. Well, that's another pretty violent term, isn't it? That's not like a real casual just sit back when he said he would cast out. To cast out again is another strong word. It means to fling away violently. And this is the attitude that we have to have about evil is that we're going to fling it away violently because that's how Jesus saw it. It means to drive out. And so we can see that Jesus had an attitude. You know, sometimes we see people in the world and we say they have an attitude. And we're not to have the attitude of the world, you know, to be smug or to be prideful or to be, uh, you know, think that we're something or, or to be rude or to be kind of like a diva, you know, think everybody ought to be serving me or I'm what matter. No, we don't have that attitude, but there are some attitudes of the kingdom. Hallelujah. And we can see this in the works of Jesus. We can see that he had an attitude uh, about evil that he actually hated it. Look at this scripture in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. This is speaking to Jesus, about Jesus. It says, you have loved righteousness and you have hated, uh, the King James says, iniquity. Iniquity is everything outside of God. So Jesus loved righteousness, a very intense word, and he hated iniquity. He hated sin. He hated evil. He hated darkness. He hated anything that was contrary to God. And it says, therefore, God, your God has anointed you because Jesus loved what was right, because he loved it intensely. He was very passionate about God, the kingdom of God, the right things because of that. And because he hated iniquity, he hated evil. He hated sin, darkness, and everything that was contrary to God. It said that God anointed him with the oil of gladness. <laughs> he anointed him with the spirit of God. He anointed him with power. You want more power? 
Come on, you want some power? You want to increase in the anointing? You want to see God more at work in your life? You want to be able to stretch forth your hands and cause something to happen? You want to be able to speak something out of your mouth uh, and, and mountains be moved? Come on, it's going to happen because you love righteousness and you hate evil. And again, when we look at that word hate, that's a pretty intense word, isn't it? It's not just a casual word, it's an intense word. So we can see that when it comes to evil, Jesus didn't stand for it and he didn't put up with it. He didn't just think this is the way it is. He was determined that he was going to fulfill his purpose, which he did when he went to the cross went down into the depths of hell, defeated the devil, paraded him around all three worlds to show that he was the defeated one and rose up victorious. Hallelujah. And that is the truth that's already been done. And one day we will live in the reality in the earth of it. Right now we're living in the reality of a spiritual truth that we have to connect with. Jesus already did it. It's already done. He's already paid the price. He's already defeated the devil in your behalf, for your life, for anything that ever might try to mess with you. But we do have to connect by faith. We have to know the truth, believe the truth. We have to exercise our faith so that we can see the results. Turn to chapter, John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Just showing you a few things about how Jesus saw this. John chapter 2, we're going to read verses 13 through 17. It says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the muddy changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the changers' money, and he overturned the tables, and he said to those who sold doves, the, uh, take these things away they do not make, and do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. And then his disciples remembered that it was risen, written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. So what we see here is that Jesus went into the temple. He went into, at that time, that was the earthly place uh, where all things spiritual happened because Jesus had not yet died and gone to the cross. So the Holy Spirit was not yet living in the spirit of men. So the temple was a big deal. It was the house of God. It was where everything that was spiritual, everything that represented God happened in that temple. And Jesus knew what that temple was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a place of reverence. It was supposed to be a place of praise. It was supposed to be a place of prayer. And he went into that temple and he saw something that didn't belong. And so he had an attitude about the temple. He had an attitude about the things of God. And when he saw something in that temple that did not belong, he got angry at it. He hated it. He didn't like it. And so he dealt with it accordingly. And he thoroughly cleansed the temple. In other words, he got rid of what didn't belong. And so we need to look here at the intensity of those words with what Jesus did. It said he made a whip of cords. He drove them all out. 
He poured out the changers' money and he overturned the tables. First of all, you need to know that there's one account that says, it says when, it says when he had made a whip. So in one account, it actually says he went into the temple that day and then he left. And it was the day that he left and he went to the wilderness and he saw the fig tree and he cursed the fig tree. And so then it says he came back. So he actually left the temple knowing that something was not right. And he got out there and he began to think about that. He began to dwell on that. He began to stir himself up about what was in that temple that didn't belong. And sometimes we're going to have to do that. We have to put a little thought. We have to put a little intensity. We have to put some effort into recognizing what we're dealing with, how it doesn't belong. And Jesus let his righteous indignation, his righteous anger, as the Lord put it to me, he just got simply mad. He got mad from the place of loving what was right and hating what was wrong. And so he made a, a whip and he went back. So he didn't even just walk casually. He didn't walk casually into the, into the temple and say, hey guys, you know, I really don't like what's going on here. This really isn't right that we do this. Could everybody just please pick up your stuff? Could everybody? He didn't do that. Come on. And this is where we find ourselves many times when we're dealing with things in our life. Come on, we're going to have to get the same righteous indignation, the same righteous anger about any sin or bondage or darkness, uh, any struggles, any addictions, any things that are trying to hold us, anything that we're dealing with, because we have to use that same righteous indignation, whether it's directly toward the devil or whether it's at our flesh that's being ruled by the devil. But we're going to have to take some time. We're going to have to take some time. He stirred himself up to where he got angry enough to make a whip. And then he went and he drove them out. I mean, he walked in with a whip and he started cracking it and driving, driving them with a force out of the temple. And when he got to the tables, he didn't say, hey, just pick up your money and go. He's, He's pouring the money out. He's turning the tables over. Hallelujah. This is how Jesus dealt with the unrighteous things Hallelujah. This is how we need to deal with unrighteous things. This is how we need to deal with evil. And the Bible says, look at that in verse 17. It says that the disciples remembered that zeal for your house, zeal. So Jesus had a zeal toward the things of God. Jesus had a zeal toward the house of God. So zeal, this something, zeal actually was what did the work. Hallelujah. Let me give you the definition of zeal. It means an enthusiastic devotion to a cause, an idea, a goal, and tireless diligence in its furtherance, often extreme or fanatical in nature. And this is why sometimes I recognize when people come to the altar and they're dealing with something and they hang their head down and they get real sad and they cry, I'm thinking they don't have the right attitude. (laughs) We're we're not going to get rid of this by hanging our head and being sad about it. We're going to have to get mad about it. 
We're going to have to realize it doesn't belong. It doesn't have a right. It can't stay. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to get mad at it and I'm going to drive it out. And really, if Jesus needed the zeal of God in order to do that, we've got to have the same zeal. Let me continue on with the definition. It's an excessive fervor to push ahead with something or to accomplish some end. It's connected with fire and feelings of great warmth and intensity, an eagerness and an ardent interest in the pursuit of something. Now we know that it's connected with fire and fire is what? It's a work of the Holy Ghost. So this was something in Jesus that came from the Spirit of God in the moment where he like got fire in his eyes and he said, no way is this happening in the temple. It's gotta go. I came for this purpose to destroy it. Hallelujah. 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 It's a work of the Holy Ghost. Zeal, when you see fire in the, in the symbols representing the Holy Ghost, it represents the zeal of God. It's the passion of God. Come on. It's an intense fervor for God. And we need this. We need it towards evil, but we need it toward God. We need the good part of it toward God where we're passionate about the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is why if we're going to see the works of the devil destroyed from our lives, we're going to have to have a life in the Holy Ghost. We're not going to have to have just some knowledge of the Holy Ghost. We're not going to have to just, oh, he's, you know, someone I got living in me and occasionally. No, we got to have a life very vibrant. Him always being stirred up. Him working in the fullness of compassion so that when the fire needs to come, the fire is there and can come. Yeah, yeah, it's time to get mad. It's time to get mad at the devil. It's time to get mad at what's been stolen from you. And again, I'm not just talking sickness and disease, but it is included. Hallelujah. So we see that Jesus was passionate. He was intense about ridding the temple of what didn't belong there. And today, guess who is the temple? Guess who is the temple? I am the temple. You are the temple. When he comes to Jesus and he looks at your life, he has the same passion, the same fire, the same intensity, the same earnestness, the same ardor toward getting you free. We're called to be free. We're called to walk in freedom, free from all evil. Come on. Come on, we're called to do it. We can do it. We can have it. Glory to God. And the answer is already in us. It's in us through Christ. It's in us because we are in Christ. In the Holy Ghost, the fire is in us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus is zealous about you. He's zealous about you living free of sickness, of sin, of torment. He's serious about you living free of addiction and things that are dogging you and keeping you down. Hallelujah. Jesus still has that same fire in his eye. I know Brother Hagin told a story one time. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but basically the Lord had said something to him about uh, evil spirits leaving and it quote, wasn't working. <laughs> you ever been there? And Jesus didn't take an excuse. 
Come on, when you get the fire stirred up in you, you realize that that fire will stir out every excuse. Every excuse about your family history, every excuse about it, well, I've tried, well, it didn't. Come on, we wake up every day in the newness of life. Come on, it's new today. The promises are new today. There's mercy new today. But he tells the story that um, it wasn't working. And so Jesus appeared to him in the midst of this situation. And Jesus reminded him what he said. And, and, he, and he said to the Lord, Lord, I did that and it, it didn't go. And he said, finally, the Lord looked at him and the Lord said, I said it would. And when he said that, he said, it was like fire shot out of his eyes. And guess what? Brother Hagin did it again and it did work. Hallelujah. I know another minister friend of mine whose mother was sick in the hospital and uh, he was sitting there with his mother and all of a sudden as he just looked up, he saw Jesus walk by the uh, hospital door. And he was like thinking to myself, oh, Jesus is here. No way can Jesus walk by my mother's room and not come in. When are you going to get determined that Jesus has to come into your room? When are you going to not be satisfied that you know Jesus is here? Yeah, but Jesus is walking by. No, we got to get Jesus in our room. We got to get Jesus in our situation. And it said he cried out to Jesus and Jesus came in the room and he said he walked over to his mother and he said it was like fire shot out of his eyes and he just healed his mother. She got right up off the death bed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus is referred to as like the good shepherd. And if you stop and think about a shepherd, a good shepherd, a shepherd that has sheep, a shepherd whose job it is, you know, his livelihood is those sheep. Well, man, when, I mean, he's going to get, when something tries to come at those sheep, when something tries to get in the gate, when something tries to begin to happen, he's going to take every weapon he has, every ounce of his effort, his strength, because he knows that it doesn't belong there. And he has the right and the responsibility to get it out, keep it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus used his attitude of being mad to step into the place of authority that God had given him to destroy the works of the devil. And then he would cause the right thing to happen. Hallelujah. I'm not going to go through them today, but I'll just give them to you so you have them. There are even accounts in the Bible where Jesus got mad at people because they weren't mad at the sin or the infirmity or the sickness. They were more interested in their religious traditions. And because he got mad that they weren't mad at the sickness, he went ahead and just performed a miracle. We see that with the withered hand, the man that had the withered hand. In Luke chapter six, we see it with the woman that had the spirit of infirmity for all those years and was bent over. In Luke chapter 13, you can read about those. But Jesus is serious about this. He's got the same intensity. Why? Because freedom was bought for you. Freedom in every area. Hallelujah. And I know that when we're talking about this, there's an aspect that's truly the devil or the work of the devil, a spirit. But there's also our flesh. And so people are thinking there, well, you know, this is a work of my flesh and I can't cast the devil out of my flesh. True. 
But you do have to realize that the reason your flesh is acting up is because it's being influenced in the wrong direction. And I'll tell you, you want to know the secret? You want to know the, the spiritual answer to your flesh? It's one of those four-letter words that Christians don't like. You want to know what it is? It's to fast. <laughs> and if you can't fast, then you're not mad enough. I'm going to say it again. If you can't fast to get your flesh under you, if you can't fast to get your spirit on top of your flesh and make you stop doing the stupid stuff, the wrong stuff, the bad stuff that you continually feel guilty about, it's because you're not mad enough. And you need to spend a little time in your closet considering how Jesus feels about it. Consider how the Lord feels about all these things and that he's already provided the answer. Because in our salvation came this, the Spirit of God living on the inside of us, equipping us to stand up and win in life, to enforce what Jesus already got for us. Hallelujah. But it's going to take a little time, a little effort. It's going to take a little praying in the Holy Ghost. It's going to take a little stomping around the room in tongues. Mm -hmm. I know there are nice sweet messages in the Bible. I'm all for the nice sweet messages. I don't have found a lot of them. But there's an intensity about this kingdom that we live in. The, the truth is, is that we are to be destroying the works of the devil, not the works of the devil destroying us. I'm going to say it again. We are to be destroying the works of the devil, not the works of the devil destroying us. And we're going to have to get that in. And it applies in every situation for every person. No one is left out. No one has to deal with evil. No one has to be uh, overtaken by torment and bondage. No one has to lose their life early to sickness or disease. I have to say it. And this is not about guilt or condemnation about where you are. It's about we've got something in this inside of us called the Holy One that if we'll connect with Him and let us stir up, then we can find what we need to drive out these things from our life. The days of sitting in your bedroom and crying about it are over. Get up and do something. Get up and get mad. Hallelujah. Don't turn there with me. I'm just going to read this one. But Matthew 11, this is describing when the kingdom first came into the earth and then people began to get saved and things were happening and they saw what was going on. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It does not say we sit in our room silently and bow our head and just plead to God. Jesus has already got the victory. This means, suffers means to use force. It means to force one's way into something. 
And what it meant was that the kingdom, that now because the kingdom had come, people were pressing into it with an order that resembled violence and desperation as if they would seize it by force. This denotes an attitude and the earnestness that people must have in getting rid of all evil, all sin, satanic powers, the world, the spirit of the world, so that we can stand firm in opposing it. We do it with the kingdom attitude. Get, you got to get mad. I mean, you got to get mad. You got to get mad. You know, when, you, when someone comes up and they've got a story that's like four pages long, it's like the first time they say something's wrong, I'm like, Gah! and then, okay, there, here's the story. Is it, what, what's happened is we've spent too much time rehearsing the story. We've spent way too much time in all the details and all the stuff. We need to get to the root of it and just get mad at it. Christianity is not for wimps. Pastor Chaz said it so I can say it. We're supposed to be word and Holy Spirit people. We're supposed to be tongue talking, sword swinging, devil stomping, mountain moving, territory taking people of God with the same spirit and the same attitude that Jesus had. Hallelujah. We've got to have some backbone. Stand up and take what's ours. Jesus actually said, he said, occupy until I come or occupy until I return. It means he already got the victory and we just have to walk right up into the victory, stand there and defend what we have. So to win the fight, remember there's a fight side. There's a fight side of this life of faith. And it's that. We have to use the fire of God, the zeal of God to get mad at anything and everything. And I want to tell you, really, it is a component of getting free and walking in freedom or getting healed and staying healed. And I'm just going to say it. It's something that comes from the Holy Ghost. And that's why you can't always with everybody everywhere pray a prayer that's effective for them. Because if we could have that fire and that zeal for every single person everywhere we are all the time, we would be just, it would just be like overwhelming. That's why God puts you in places with people, an assembly of saints, with friends and people, and we're supposed to care about each other. When you come to me and you got something wrong, I can help you. Because my job is to have the same zeal and love towards you that God has towards you. But I can't do that just because somebody sent me a prayer request about someone that I don't know and someone that I don't know anything about. I'm trying to help y'all. The truth is we have a measure of faith and we have to know our measure of faith and we can't operate outside of our measure of faith or outside of our lines of authority. So if we're going to walk in the freedom and in the health that Jesus purchased for us, 
We're going to have to get mad about the devil's work. And then we're going to have to let that prompt us into using our God-given authority. We have authority. Jesus gave it to us. So we've got to get mad. We've got to hate evil just like Jesus hated it. Listen to this, Psalm 9710. You who love the Lord, hate evil. Amos 515, hate evil and love good. Romans 12, 9, abhor or hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Again, the strength of that word. We cannot just sit around and pacify stuff. The Lord said this to Pastor Chaz. He said, learn to hate sin, sickness, and all the works of the devil. And then you'll be free from them and you'll be able to free others. He didn't just say, oh, just because Jesus went to the cross and died for you. Just because the Holy Ghost lives in you, you'll be free and be able to free others. He didn't say that. This is about our life with God. This is about our part. We have to cultivate a spiritual attitude of hatred toward things that are evil. We say this all the time when, when someone is caught up in something, we don't hate them, but we hate the sin. We hate, we hate what's messing with them. We have to be that way in our, in our own life, hating everything that's contrary to God. Anything that's not allowing you to fully uh, embrace all that is God and fulfill the will of God. Anything that's causing you to not walk in the ways of God, we've got to get mad about it. And then we got to stand up and do something. Look at what it says in Luke 10, 19. Jesus said this to his disciples. Who's a disciple? Raise your hand if you're a disciple. Raise your hand if you're a disciple. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All of your hands are just gone like this. Right, because like we're, like we're in this moment like in intensity with God. And so this is not the time to go. The truth is, is that we all, have a, uh, we all have a makeup of our personalities. And sometimes your personality or your demeanor or you're just kind of natural who you are can be a deterrent. Yes, it, can. it can be a deterrent to you gaining something that you need of God. If you're a very passive person, if you're just by nature very laid back and just kind of take things as they, as they come, that can be really good at times. There are times that, that that will keep you out of receiving what you need from God. Hallelujah. We are all disciples. Hallelujah. We are disciples. Jesus said this to his disciples. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I'm going to say it again. Jesus says to you, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all evil, everything that's dark and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Look again at the intensity of that word. Behold, I give you authority to trample on. It means to tread on and to crush. It means to crush. I mean, it means to not just go like, I mean, it means to crush. Wow. That's the authority that we have. That's the power. That's the intensity of the authority that God has given us. 
You know, like if a snake came in your house. If a snake came in your house and your first thought was, I'm scared, then you need to go straight to the bookstore and get my book. Because we cannot be scared of anything. And so if you see a snake in your house, the first thing is, is I'm getting rid of it. And God's going to help me find whatever I need, whether it's an ax, whether it's a what, whatever it is. Come on. When you see something that's wrong, your shoulders go back. You stand up, you get that fire in here. That doesn't belong here. It's not like, oh, no. If you're the only one in your house and you leave that thing there, it's going to stay there. You're going to have to get it out. And so instantly your thought becomes that doesn't belong. Nobody lets a snake come in its house and just think, well, I really don't like it, but I can't do anything about it. Sure you can do something about it. Even if you have to call the authorities to come over, you can do something. But you know, I've seen accounts where people had to deal with something like that and wherever they, once they found the whatever it is that they know is going to give them the victory. And that's what we need to know. We have the power in us to give us the victory. We are not lacking power. We're not lacking authority. We are not lacking anything from God. And we have to believe that. And then once that, I mean, once you, once you hit the fire, I'll just use an ax, you know, because it just sounds like. Once you hit that thing one time, you don't just go. I mean, you're going to crush it. You're going to. I mean, the head's flying off. The tail's flying off. It's just going into pieces. I mean, that's what that's. Let, let it just be on the record. If a snake comes in my house, that is what's happening. <laughs> you know, Jesus, Jesus, or the Bible, so I guess it's really the Lord, referred to the devil as a thief. In other words, he's, he's stealing something that doesn't belong to him. He doesn't have a right to take it. That ought to make you mad. I mean, if, if a thief comes in your house, it makes you mad. You're thinking, what, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. Nothing in here belongs to you. And so, you know, if a thief came into your house and tried to steal something that was like really valuable, and you knew, let's just take it this way. We're looking at a natural thing for a moment. You know, your first thought is, can I win the fight? And that's always the question, you know, because we've seen people that, you know, want to, they don't have anything, they don't have anything spiritual. And they don't have anything on them and the person's got a gun and they want to fight over their phone. Well, you know, phone might not be worth fighting over, not worth losing your life over when you probably can't win the fight. But Jesus has already won the fight. And we have something that far exceeds uh, weaponry in the earth even. You know, the story of Terry Mize and the guy going to shoot him and he just kept saying, you can't hurt me. You can't hurt me. 
And as a matter of fact, when he was driving in the car with that guy and the guy had the gun to him, he said in his mind, he was thinking about all kinds of things that he could do. Maybe he could jump out of the car. Maybe, and he said every time his thought would go to a, a natural something, the Lord would say, if you do something natural, you're going to get a natural result. We have spiritual weapons. Things that are, aren't carnal, but things that are mighty in the hand of God. Come on, come on. We've got the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We've got the blood of Jesus. But if a thief comes in your house and it's something really valuable like your life, you're going to fight. You're going to recognize that, uh-uh, this isn't happening without me putting up a fight. That's how we have to see when the devil comes and tries to mess with us. And it's probably true that if a thief comes in and takes something from you and you just sit back and do nothing, he'll go, he's going to see you as an easy prey. And he might be in the house and say, oh, today I just got the, I just got the money. But you know what? I saw a bunch of other, oh, I saw TVs and computers and so I'll just come back. That's how the devil is. And so we have to rise up in our righteous anger, we have to just get mad and then we have to use the authority that Jesus said, nothing shall by any means hurt me. Jesus actually said that. Doesn't matter what the situation is, nothing. If I know the truth of that and can believe that absolutely, and I'll execute that and it'll work. It'll work. There have been many stories by many people in many different areas of life about something like that and something supernatural of God getting the victory. What about the girl that was in her apartment where the rapist came into her room and she had just been hearing about the power that was in the name of Jesus? A huge man. There was no way physically she would have been able to fight him off. But she said when he entered her room, she just began to use the name of Jesus. And he ran off, ran down the street. The police caught him. And he, he was hiding naked in a bush. And, that, and they said, what, you know, what happened? And she had said, the, the biggest men, when I went in her room, the biggest men showed up and they chased me and they, they were chasing me so fast that I, just, I was throwing off my clothes to try to run faster. The angels of God showed up just because she was using the name of Jesus. When the thief comes in, it's not time to tuck our head. It's not time to get scared. It's time to stand up and say, Jesus said he gave me authority and nothing was going to hurt me. Nothing's going to hurt my body. Nothing's going to hurt my mind. Nothing's going to hurt my life. Nothing's going to ruin me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is all stuff straight out of the Bible. We just got to believe it. That's our part. Our part is just to believe it. God's got the hard part. I heard it said this week. I don't know where. I know what preacher said it, but I heard it. He, he said this. He said, uh, faith does not put pressure on people. And that's one thing that people will fight about in the, in the you know, anti-faith camp. 
Faith does not put pressure on you. Faith puts, true faith puts pressure on God because it's about faith in God. It's not about faith in you. It's about faith in God. But part of your real faith in God is believing. And that's our fight is believing. I mean, really being fully convinced. This is all about faith in God. This is all about having an attitude. These are attitudes of the kingdom. These are attitudes of faith. Hallelujah. I just love that. Behold, I, I have closed my eyes so many times and just seen Jesus saying that to me. Just Jesus saying it to me. Behold, I, Jesus, give you, Joni, authority to trample over every scorpion and every serpent and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt me. Nothing gets to hurt me. Oh, Jesus, you said nothing gets to hurt me. These are how we have to spend some of our time rather than watching TV. These are how we have to spend some of our time looking at sin and recognizing how it's deterring, how it's destroying, how it's messing with your life, how it's holding you back. That Jesus bought you freedom. He's already obtained it. We have to spend some time in that arena rather than being on our phones and scrolling through social media and watching TikTok reels. See, many times when we're doing those things, we're thinking my mind needs a break. My mind needs a break. I've worked all day. I've thought all day. I've produced all day. I just want my mind to relax. I just want my mind to relax. You know the best way to make your mind relax? Meditate on something of God. How about praying in the Holy Ghost? Did you know that they have a medical, a scientific proof from the Mayo Clinic that when you pray in tongues, the lobes of your mind, they change. That, that literally what is at work and how your mind is working changes. And they actually put it in parentheses that this thing they call speaking in tongues or praying in tongues. I had the report. And it shows the brain of just normal and it shows the brain of when people are speaking in tongues. You know what's going to relax your mind? You know what can steal your mind? You know what can put you in a whole better place than scrolling through your social media or watching TV? Or listening to music that's not even scriptural? That's also sad about all your weaknesses and your failures and your whatever? We don't need to sing about those. There have been songs I've loved, the, the tune, the melody, but I've not been able, I'm like, I can't listen to that. But yet, man, we got our, we got our, 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 our music on 24-7. The chances are, I'm not against music. I love praise and worship music. I, I worship all the time. But I have to keep it in the right perspective. Worship music isn't always going to help me get a righteous anger toward what's not right. But Jesus said that he gave us authority. So we got to get mad and then we got to use what he gave us. It's like you can't get a, you can't get a membership. You ever had this happen? I need to lose some weight. No, I didn't say that about myself, all of you that are looking at me like that. The thought is I need to lose some weight. Or the thought is 
I need to get fit. I've noticed that when I walk up a few flights of stairs, I'm kind of winded. I need to get fit. I need to get better. So I'm going to buy me a gym membership. So you go to the gym and you check out the gym and have the gym hat, what's in the gym and everything that's in the gym, praise the Lord. And then the first time you go, you meet with the people and they tell you, you can get on this and you can do this and you, you know, you can do that. And you're, you're like so excited because you see your goal, you know, losing weight. You see your goal getting fit, praise the Lord. And I got a gym membership. I got everything. Everything I need is in that facility. There's not one thing that I couldn't accomplish with this body. There's not one thing. All I got to do is show up. <clears throat> Is that true? Is that true that all you got to do is show up? Because you know you show up and after the trainers kind of walked you around everything, you're like all thankful and then you're like, oh, that was a lot today. I learned a lot. I'd probably go bigger home, take a few notes, figure out a plan, figure out a pretty good plan of what I might want to do to be able to accomplish what I want. And the next time you go back and you're there, you go over and you do a couple of these and you're like, wow. You're like, look at that person over there. I'm going to share Jesus. You know, and then you're kind of worn out. You know, it was a lot of stress getting the right thing out, presenting the Lord right, and go find some water. And you sit down for a while. Oh, before you know it, you got to go. But hey, but I did. Hey, I went to the gym today. Well, you're too little like this. I mean, just wasn't it even anything more than walking from the parking lot and back. So you can have everything there. I already have it purchased for you. I already, already it rightfully belonged to you. You own it. But if you don't do something with it, if you don't get to the gym and I mean, get on the equipment, start putting some sweat. Come, come on. Am I the only one that sweats when I work out? Come on. You got to put some sweat. You got to put some effort. It's not pleasant all the time. But are you really passionate about losing some weight? Are you really passionate about getting fit? <laughs> well, you got to go to the member. You got to use your membership. You got to go to the gym and actually exercise. In whatever way, shape, or form, you have to do the exercise. And that's what it is with us. We can't only just get mad. We have to get mad, absolutely. That's where everything comes from. It's what's going to give us the thrust to do whatever's necessary to get to the end. We can't give up. We can't fall short. We can't just be satisfied. Listen, the Lord Jesus is depending upon us. But once we get that in us, we have to use our authority. And we have to use it enough to where it works. If it doesn't work the first time, do it again. If it doesn't work the second time, meditate a little bit on something that Jesus said to you, like Luke 10, 19. I've always said if just the church could get a revelation of Luke 10, 19, everything would be different. But once you get a little further in your revelation, try it again. If it doesn't work that time, find somebody spiritual in the church. Ask them some questions. Ask them to do it with you. But the truth is we have to know that we know that we know that we know that the scriptures are truth. They will always work. They cannot fail. That's how we get free. That's how we get free. That's how we overcome our flesh. That's how we overcome the things that the devil's messing with us about. That's how we overcome sickness. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Zeal. Zeal. We need some fire. Zeal. Zeal will take you off of the round and round about wheel. Zeal will bring you out of the ordeal. Zeal will put the, make the devil kneel. And zeal will put the devil under your heel. <laughs> zeal is not just an ideal. Zeal is real and it will seal the deal. Zeal will show you how God feels. Zeal will give you a thrill and even make you squeal. Yeah. Got to get some zeal. Hallelujah. So again, to win the fight, to walk in freedom and in health, we're going to have to add the, have the attitude of getting mad that therefore provokes us into using our God-given authority. And then we're going to have to get glad. So this is the thing about the Lord is that how can you be mad and glad? You got to get mad first, but then as soon as you're mad and you've done it, you're like super glad. Because once you've done it, you know that you know that you know that the victory is at hand. Hallelujah. And so glad, that's why uh, he, he was, uh, Jesus was anointed with the allness of gladness, the oil of gladness, the oil of gladness. He was anointed with gladness. Gladness is a part of our attitude in the kingdom. And so we're mad at the devil. I mean, when it's like at the devil, we got the, oh, we were mad at the devil. But when it comes to this kingdom and life and salvation and what Jesus has done for us, what he's bought for us, what he's purchased for us, what Christ has already done, we have to get really, really glad about it. And our gladness ought to provoke us into rejoicing. We don't just get glad in nothing. I, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. Seriously, I, I've, seen, I've seen miracles before where God just did a miracle and there's something about them. So I'll tell you all the story. I was in, this was actually South Africa years ago. I was in South Africa and we went into this church and they were just, I just will say, okay, there was a very religious spirit in the church and it was just the, it was the atmosphere was extremely difficult. And so we had preached there two, two nights of services, just doing everything we can with the Lord to try to open them up to try to get them, you know, they're, they're, they're sitting there quiet, just can't respond. You could just feel like their hearts weren't open. I, we couldn't get anything. And so I had to go back and preach there on Sunday morning. And I'm going to be honest, I was not really happy about it. I was like, Lord, you know, I don't know what to do with these people. I, I just don't know. I, I, you know, we've tried everything. Uh, and so I just asked the Lord, I said, Lord, would you allow me to work a miracle? Because I reckon, you know, many times when you're doing healing and you're, you're working miracles or you're, or you're bringing in expression of the kingdom, the people's participation matters. Like I can come on, I can come in here on fire. I can have fasted. I can be. And if you guys can't respond, what the Lord wants to produce won't come. It's true. I, I know. I, I've experienced this many times. But I, I just wanted for the sake of the people. And so I said, Lord, would you just allow me? I mean, I knew at that moment it was going to have to be something rather than just faith. It was going to have to be either the working of miracles or something that was going to come by an extra gift in the moment. And so I just simply asked the Lord, well, Lord, would you just let me work a miracle? Because I felt like surely if they would like see a miracle, 
I mean, surely if we see a miracle, surely we can respond, right? And so I asked the Lord and he didn't like say yes, he didn't, but I felt good in my heart that I could ask. And so that morning I got up and first thing I got up and so I'm just kind of with the Lord and I'm, I'm feeling like I can do it. And so I just, I, I remember I just stepped outside of the pulpit and I waited and I heard the Lord say, somebody here has a growth on their shoulder. And so uh, I, I said it and I, I don't think anybody responded the first time. And then I said it again and then a man got up. One man came up and I mean, he had a growth on his shoulder. He didn't have just like, okay, let me find it. Let me, like when he stood up, I saw it. Like he had a growth that was like this big on his shoulder. And, I'm, and he's walking down the aisle, and I'm thinking, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no, like, take it by faith here. There's like, there's like either God's got to do a miracle. And so he's coming down, and I'm just, you know, I'm maintaining my place with God. You know, I'm, I'm like, Lord, but I'm just, I'm inside, I'm excited. But this is walking, I'm like, oh, no, no, that thing's coming off. That thing's got to come off. That thing is coming off. I mean, when I put my hand on it, when I put my hands, I mean, because this is how we work miracles. We don't just like, oh, let me, mm." no, I I have to connect myself to a, to a care about him, to a care about the kingdom, to, to recognizing that, you know, even though they might've had some of religious spirit, he was still a child of God. Hallelujah. And God loved him and I wanted him to get well. And so he comes down and I just, you know, I just made it very short because I'm like, either the miracle's going to happen or, you know, that's it. And so I just said, I just did it like this. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command it to dissolve. And when, when my hand hit the top of it, it went, I, I mean, to still to this day, it was one of the most notable, visible. I mean, there was nobody in that room that could have not seen the miracle. The miracle. I mean, it just, does that just... A knot this big just completely dissolved through the name of Jesus. And do you know what they did? Nothing. Even the man, the man went like this. And then he walked and went and sat in his seat. They, they had missed the attitude of gladness. They had missed the attitude of being glad and rejoicing. And the Lord, I, I jumped up. And then I'm like. And you know what happened? God shut it down. He sent me to the pulpit and I preached for about 20 minutes. Some bye. And the pastor's the sweetest people. Sweetest people, and they have invited me back. And praise the Lord, the Lord has not. <laughs> we don't want to be in that category. There's something about the gladness of the Lord. There's something about even when, even when we've done what we've known to do, we've gotten mad, we've used our authority, we haven't yet seen the result. There's something about being glad. Come on, there's something about just tapping into the joy of the Lord. There's just something about rejoicing in the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, glory to God. This, and this is, the, this is the fun part. This is the victory part that every soldier needs to experience. Hallelujah. That we are a glad people. Hallelujah. That Christ has already done it. He's already 
work and rejoice in it. Jesus loved righteousness. He had the oil of gladness. Hallelujah. Grab a seat real quick. Now, I want to say this. I'm fixing to prove it to you. This is a vital part of our life. But you can't always just be glad and rejoice when you haven't fought the first part of the faith fight. Because what you'll find yourself is is just that you're, you're like doing it from your soul and it's not really coming from your spirit because you haven't done the other part to connect with what's necessary to bring the victory. So let me just show you this. Turn with me to 1 Peter. We're going to look at a very... This is a very, very, very spiritual practice. It's a truth that's only for spiritual people. People of the world can't do this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. I'm going to show you about how gladness, joy, which always should provoke your rejoicing. Okay? So again, if you're a very quiet person, this is something you need to practice. You, you need to be able to get at your house sometimes and just start begin out loud very, very expressively, very passionately, very excitedly praising the Lord. If you've never danced, you need to dance. If you've never run, you need to run. You need to do these things. This is, this, we learn spiritual things by hearing them, believing them, practicing them. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, starting with the last part of verse 8, it says, Though now you do not see Him, referring to Jesus, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So this says that even though right now we don't see Jesus, we don't see Him with our eye, we don't, we don't really see the kingdom as it fully is, Yet believing, that means we fought the fight of faith. We've, we've, we've heard who Jesus is. We've heard what he's done for us. We believed it. Now, while we're believing it, that's the part of you got to connect with what needs to happen for you to have believed it. It says we rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of our faith which is the salvation of our soul. So the bridge between our believing and our receiving or us knowing that it is, but not yet seeing it, the middle of that is joy and rejoicing. So we could substitute like some other words because many things are involved. The end, of the, the end being salvation. Many things are involved in salvation. So we could read it like this. Though now you do not see health, once you've already gotten mad and using your God-given authority, now you know, now you have believed, now you know that the victory. And so you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Come on, the rejoicing, the gladness is what causes the glory of God. Receiving the end of your faith being the healing of your body or the healing of your mind. So there's so many ways that you can, you can ex- write in what you need. Though I do not yet see my freedom from alcohol, yet believing I'm going to go ahead and rejoice 
Because I already know what Christ already did. I already know that I got mad. I already know that I've, I've put God's word on it. I already know that I've, I've sent some fire into the situation. I already know that my faith is secure. So I'm going to go ahead and dance and just dance around like I'm free anyway. And in the middle of that, many times the miracle shows up and then we recognize that we got free from alcohol or cigarettes or drugs or whatever it is or pornography. Hey, we're not going to stick our head in the vacuum and act like pornography is not a big deal. Pornography is a huge deal right now. Even Christians dealing with it. But I want to tell you, God can deliver you out of pornography. You just need to hate it. You need to hate every time you're, you're, you know, the desire for that. You need to hate it. As a matter of fact, I, I was connected with somebody in Kenya, a girl who was on the worship team. And she had been addicted to pornography for 27 years. As a young child, her brothers watched it and got her connected when she was like seven. And she had been active in pornography for 27 years. And you know what happened? She just got determined. She just began to see it with, a, you know, with, with like a real hatred. Not a poor me, like I know I can't do this. Why, why please have, no, no, no. She just got so mad at it. And then she recognized right in the midst of that that God had given her power over all of the enemy. And nothing gets to affect her life. If she didn't want it, it could really solve that part of it. And she got totally delivered. She wrote me this note. She was just watching something online. It was like, it was like a week or two after we had been there. And she had really been just devoting herself to getting free. And, and she just, one day she said she just went home and the Lord prompted her to turn on something. And, and then like about four or five sentences into it, just totally, just totally broke off. Of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, we got to be glad of what, about what Jesus did. We got to use joy and rejoicing. We got to dance like we really mean it. Come on, we got to shout like we really believe it. Psalm 35, uh, 35, 9. It says, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord, and it shall rejoice in his salvation. Psalm 32, 11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Why can we dance in the middle? Because we already know, we're not, we're not based on what we see, we're based on what we know, what the principles are, and that we've already done it, and that Christ has already given us the victory. Proverbs 15, 13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 8 through 18, rejoice always. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say, rejoice. Now look, in Luke 10, 17, y'all know this scripture. They had gone out, Jesus had given them power and authority to cast out uh, unclean spirits, to heal the sick, the lame. And they went out and they did it and they came back. And in Luke 10, 17, it says, Then the 70 returned with what? With joy. Saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Hallelujah. 
they recognized that because they had victory over the devil, that was a joyous thing. That brings joy. When we get the victory, it brings joy. Now, Jesus turned around later, three scriptures later, and says, nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so what Jesus was telling us is it's not about rejoicing because the devil really responded to you. It's about rejoicing because what Christ has already done for us and we're just executing it. But there does come a gladness when freedom comes. There does come a gladness when health comes. There does come a gladness. And we ought to be rejoicing and being happy and dancing and running. But only once we've fought the fight of faith through being mad and using our authority. Now we can be glad knowing that the end and I, I tell you what, I could, I could start just rattling off so many times that things the Lord has done for me, answered prayers, God has showed up, healing has happened, whatever, simply because I had done my part in executing my authority and then I just rejoiced. And in the middle of my rejoicing, the answer came, the manifestation came, whatever it was came. This is an attitude of the kingdom. We have to be glad. If you find yourself being sad, if you find yourself being sad, Sad about sin, sad about your health, sad about you have not tapped into the attitude of the kingdom. You need to recognize that. We've, we've got to fix that. Sadness does nothing. Sympathy does nothing. Empathy does nothing. All it does is keep us right there in that same spot. Jesus said he gave us authority. And then we can go ahead believing. We can go ahead now be glad, rejoice with joy inexpressible that's full of glory. What raised Jesus from the dead? The glory of the Father, Romans 6, 4. The glory of the Father raised Jesus from the dead. In the midst of your rejoicing, the glory of God <laughs> shows up. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. So, you know, we just get to laugh right in the midst of it. <clears throat> Knowing our God is a big God. The devil's a little bitty devil. He's already defeated. He's under our feet. But there is a part of stirring up. Come on, this is why, this is why we're so intense here about this life in the spirit. This whole thing is about, is about zeal. This whole thing, even the joy of the Lord, when you look at the Holy Spirit and the different symbols of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit is referred to, he's referred to as the gift and the gift ties to the joy of the Lord and him, him coming as a gift, as a liberation. Hallelujah. And so we have to keep ourselves stirred up in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. And we need to devote some time really. To, to sitting quietly with the Lord and letting him show us some things about things that are holding us back or things that are holding us down. We need to not put evil, like I said, as only the box of the big things. There's things in all of us that, that can still be refined, that can still... And listen, the longer you go, the devil, he's still gonna, he's gonna come back and try something. He's gonna see if he can sneak something in. That's, that's, that's what he does. And really until Jesus comes back and until one day when we tie him up and throw him into the lake of fire, he's going he's gonna to have some of that. But greater, come on, greater is he that's in me. Greater is he that's in you. 
Hallelujah. And so I'm determined that we're going to be a victorious church. We're going to be a happy church. But we can be a mad church too. I mean, not mad at people. Not mad at people and not mad at God. Because it's never God that didn't. I'm going to say it again. It's never God that didn't. (laughs) He is not a man that he could lie. Hallelujah. He is a good God. There's no evil in him, no darkness in him. He never causes things like that to happen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is the Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.